Welcome to the 5G Techvitory podcast, where we will explore the hottest topics in 5G with some of the industry's leading minds. We have spoken about Internet of Things quite a bit, and uh, we as individuals in uh, our everyday lives, we have been become accustomed with Internet of Things slowly in past years. One item over there, one there, some fridge with, the, uh, with uh, information you can connect with. But then there's the field where Internet of Things has been around for quite some time. And that field is a battlefield. Getting tactical information, what happens, where soldiers are at, uh, what what's the status of certain vehicles, where they are, what's happening, and how it all moves together. And that's the topic for the next panel, Connected Soldiers. It will be hosted by Urmas Ruto, uh, head of tech branch NATO Cooperative Cyber Defense Center of Excellence. And you also can participate with questions, and we have a poll. Does the merging of civilian and military network infrastructure in some areas, the smartphoneization of defense. I didn't know that term. Concerns you. So basically, in short, does smartphoneization of defense concerns you? Yes, no. Over to you, Urmas. Uh, thank you, and, uh, and welcome to this uh, panel discussion. I think the, the topic as such, uh, connected soldier, is very intriguing. And even if uh, I'm working in NATO CCDCUE, the name states NATO, but we are not belonging to a chain of command of NATO, but doing uh, quite uh, many things for them. So uh, from that work, I know that uh, obviously uh, military is investigating, researching a lot how 5G could actually used in, in, uh, in daily business in that sense uh, during the peacetime and, and the wartime. But um, yeah, when we reach maybe on individual level, on soldier level uh, to be seen, but uh, this is what we start discussing. Uh, great work has been done uh, in our region. Uh, I think uh, Latvia is one of the uh, leading in that area that uh, the, your Latvian Prime Minister was also mentioning in, uh, in the uh, speech that uh, he was uh, participating in this uh, last month in Adashi uh, demonstration exercise trial, however I would call it, and, uh, and, and this is a very good example. But uh, yeah, actually not uh, so much uh, introduction, uh, I think uh, our panelists will introduce themselves a little bit uh, and then also maybe some first uh, thoughts about connected soldiers or what kind of uh, uh, feelings it actually creates or how do you understand what connected soldier is. So I don't know, let's start with Kaspars, please. Thank you, Irmas. Good afternoon, my name is Kaspar Spolox. I'm uh, head of business area for defense and public safety at uh, LMT, and uh, besides that, I'm reserve lieutenant commander in uh, Latvian National Armed Forces. 
the interesting part is that LMT, uh, mobile operator and ICT company, we have separate branch working with the defense and public safety solutions both on national and international level. Talking about the term of connected soldier, uh, as it was mentioned before, the uh, IoT drones connectivity itself, that's something we are trying to dig in for, uh, for some time already. Um, what we are doing at the moment uh, with regards to the connectivity on the battlefield is trying to pay attention to what is actually going on in Ukraine in this field. And I think that's the most, um, most correct way to act at the moment, try and understand how this uh, works and what are the lessons uh, we can gain from, from Ukraine. Thank, Thank you, Kaspers. So, Ilmars. <coughs> yeah, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Ilmar Sassonis. I am founder and CEO of uh, company Lightspace Technologies. I've been I've been developing last uh, like eight years. I've been developing uh, visualization displays for 3D images. I initially, we are very proud that we are doing uh, displays that you don't need glasses to see 3D. But starting uh, that, we came to the point that we are developing exactly the glasses to see 3D and what we call extended reality solutions uh, and technology. Thank you, and last but not least, Kave. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for inviting me uh, to this interesting session. I'm Kave Salamatian, I'm professor of computer science. I am, and I am the European uh, Research Action Chair, the ERA Chair of Maritime Cybersecurity uh, in uh, Tallinn University of Technology. Um, the issue of uh, the question of connected soldier for me uh, is uh, the last, uh, I would say, avatar of the digital transformation. You know, digital transformation had touched mm -hmm. all element of uh, our life. Uh, it has uh, changed the way that we interact with our uh, friend, colleagues, uh, the way that uh, we operate a lot of things, and indeed. This digital transformation is also touching uh, one of the most oldest uh, job in the history of uh, mankind that is being soldier. And uh, therefore, uh, a connected soldier had to be analyzed in the context of uh, the digital transformation that is uh, ongoing everywhere and that is putting the data in the center in place of the operation meaning that the soldier was seen once upon a time as an actuator, an actor that <coughs> is playing on the battlefield. Now it's more and more seen as something that is gathering data and consuming data in order to achieve his missions. And this is what makes the discussion quite interesting. Thank you. Thank you for this introduction. And uh, let's try to dig into the topic. So. Uh, Kaspars, uh, as you are working at LMT, so uh, what kind of role a commercial operator could have uh, in, in this context? Yes, it's something I already touched, so uh, we can talk a little bit about, uh, about the Ukraine. We are, we are paying attention since 2014 how the commercial communications have been actually used for the uh, operations on the both sides and what are the, uh, what are the threats, what are the threat access uh, for this communication technology. The, the general answer, of course, is that uh, 
commercial communications will never be the uh, only correct answer for the military operations. It will be always be uh, some sort of combination, but which is true is that commercial communications are more and more entering uh, into the uh, military operations as well. If we talk about the Ukraine and uh, just an uh, example from uh, 24th of February when the uh, uh, saboteur groups of uh, Russian military started to operate in Kiev, uh, most of them were actually commanded and controlled by their superiors using the commercial network. And uh, there was no uh, any uh, evidences of the jamming or suppression or spoofing of the commercial communications at the first stage of the conflict. What we see now, it's a bit different when the, uh, when the conflict at the moment, war at the moment, has uh, more or less, uh, is more or less stationary. That's a different story again. And therefore, we should analyze all different technologies, including commercial communications and combat communications and satellite communications, and just to give more options to the modern soldier. And that was absolutely correctly put that everything is about the data. 10, 15 years ago, uh, military operated using actually three main data layers, which is geographical layer with the geographical information, which is uh, friendly force information layer, so blue force information, and the opponent's information, so the red force, uh, red force uh, layer. Now it is completely different. The, hu the amount of data used for the operations is huge, and therefore uh, the conventional communication means are not always the best, and they are the, these technologies are not able to process such a huge amount of data. Very good, thank you. And a uh, uh, little bit elaborating uh, on that as well, that uh, the role of commercial operators that um, uh, I was uh, able to actually uh, in Norway participate in one event where uh, Tele and uh, Telenor was presenting their uh, tactical network solutions uh, to, to Norway military. And then uh, for them there is uh, quite clear uh, strategy that they would like to buy as much as possible as a service so that the commercial operator is the one actually developing it and also maintaining even deploying in that sense that if it's just uh, during the peace time maybe there is some kind of crisis where the military uh, uh, private cooperation needs to be in place that uh, some uh, volunteer rescuers uh, need to connection as well but then of course during the war time then uh, then uh, the military guys need to deploy the networks, obviously, themselves. So any, any thoughts about that one as well, that uh, how much really the mobile operator could actually do here and how much the military guys should do themselves? Yeah, so there are two angles. First of all, that's, uh, I, th I think it's Im extremely important, and we are lucky in Latvia that we have partially state-owned uh, operator with the biggest network. Uh, controlled by the, uh, let's say, uh, checked by the security means entities, etc. The other angle is that the uh, commercial operator, commercial network operator, it's not just only the cellular, cellular connectivity. We are talking about the huge amount of infrastructure which could be adapted and used for the military needs. We are talking about the base station towers, fiber optics networks, and a lot of uh, 
different things which could be used by the military for the operations and deploy deployment of sensors, for example, etc. Okay, thank you. Moving on, so uh, maybe getting closer to the use cases. So, Ilmar, so how do you see uh, maybe also like two angles that uh, what we could actually, how we could benefit uh, from 5G as well during the peacetime and uh, I don't know, going a little bit extreme, maybe a little bit to wartime as well. <coughs> so how do you see it? Uh, of course, of course, uh, let's go back to the beginning. We were talking about data and we are talking that data, data these days are getting many dimensions many dimensions, many segments, layers, whatever we, whatever we categorize data. <coughs> of course, life happens in geospatial space, meaning in geography and also in time. So basically this is, we are talking here about basically three or four, uh, four dimensional data that or real-time data that we want to use, consume. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one thing, of course, data systems and creates those sensors and then you need the system which can make use of it, and that's a network. You can deliver the data needed, needed amounts at needed, uh, at needed points of use or needed point sources from sources to use and to some points where you are fusing them and making decisions what's going on to happen. You add, add, add kind of action, action data. So, but talking again of, of, about soldier being connected so a soldier you, you imagine that's that that's the human being who has all kind of stuff on on his backpack and he has uh, kind of tools or instruments or he has arms with him all kind of things and of course uh, all having all these all these elements you of course need to have information what you where, where is your what's, what's your action what do you have to do if you have an enemy somewhere where it is how to see it or how to uh, basically, well, yeah, we're coming back to how to see really because the most of information humans are perceiving with through vision. So and we are kind of, we are as a company actually developing solutions for uh, accurate, very precise and accurate 3D visualization of information. Uh, that could be geospatial data. These could be X-ray type of data. Then you can see through obstacles and so let's see what's other side or what's inside. Of course, you need sensors, but of course, you also need to visualize that once the sensors are getting those. So there are, there are uh, even, even if you're going into cyber space, you're having all kind of uh, interactivity, all kind of nodes and points, connections and data which are floating, you still want to see network in 3D, otherwise it's in flat way, it's not so informative. So. Coming, coming to what, what, uh, what can we use in Wellfield? Of course, it's very uh, naturally we'll use something that you can look into it. You know, you can of course have screen like here we're having, but that's uh, looking at 2D, 2D flat screen. You're stripping information basically. You are not delivering this in full because human is actually has a vision. At least the, the active area which is close to you, you, you are you can see much more in 3D and 3D colors and movements, all kind of things. So uh, we are developing instruments for that, near a displays that can manage that. And that's, I think that's where it goes. Of course, there have been tries to use 
augmented reality glasses. <coughs> the recent ones uh, was quite big, big notices in the world press, <coughs> like Bloomberg was telling that there is trial going on in US Army with the Microsoft HoloLens devices, and, and, and of course there is big, big kind of hype, okay, we are going to, to make it very connected, soldier, and he was very happy. Uh, reality was not so good. The reality, you had headaches. Your reality had nausea, all kind of, all kind of, uh, all kind of symptoms that tell that something is wrong with this isolation means, and that's something, that's something you should not hurt soldier by providing him these uh, near eye displays, not hurt his capacity of being soldier. So I think that's very critical. So Lightspace is actually the one who delivers solution. Well, I'm not selling here, but. We have developed solution <laughs> which delivers, delivers through, uh, through 3D without ha not having all those art, uh, kind of artifacts. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So uh, situational awareness is the key word that uh, this is what we need to yeah. and can bring uh, to the soldier. Uh, Kave, you have mentioned the paradigm shift, what is happening, so maybe you can a little bit described uh, how, how you see it? Um, for, as I say, soldier is one of the oldest jobs that exist, uh, that has existed permanently over the history. And uh, there are some constants that exist in the operation of a soldier. And the constant is that he is uh, putting his life in balance. And he has also a lethal capacity. So uh, uh, the balance between uh, these two uh, uh, make the soldier the fact that he's able to uh, uh, implement force and at the same time being the target of force is uh, what uh, define uh, a soldier. Indeed, with the digital, revol uh, the digital change happening, uh, we are entering into uh, a situation where, uh, indeed, uh, the battlefield and the soldier is, in fact, emerged into a sea of information, a sea of data. He is a uh, 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 source of data because being on the battlefield and having the closest view of the battlefield, he have. Uh, some knowledge about his environment and uh, uh, situational awareness is one uh, particular element. But at the same time, he needs to have more deep insight about what is happening. Meaning that the soldier in this context become the kind of interface between the physical world and the virtual world of the digital battle space. Meaning that on the battle space, you have a digital view of what is coming that come through the signals and through the information that you are getting from different sources. And what is quite interesting is that uh, military have been confronted for a very long time about this issue of how to fusion the different view that you have, uh, the different uh, electronic view that you have from the battlefield. And now the soldier is becoming a kind of interface between the virtual world and the physical world. And uh, this generates uh, some interesting uh, uh, challenges. So for example, one challenge is that, uh, 
I'm thinking uh, is becoming quite important and that is becoming also uh, a discussion about the ethics is that is this soldier will still remain in the situation of being uh, a soldier that is putting his life in the stake or is it going to be like drone type of operation where the soldier is not anymore on the field. It's thousand kilometers from the field and when he's giving the order to kill, he's not anymore himself under any risk. This generates some kind of uh, ethical issue for some people, uh, for some uh, thinker that work about that. But the other ethical question is that who is going to give the order to fire? Is it the soldier or is it the fact that he is a connected element, would we have the possibility from outside to give the order to fire uh, about this? So uh, these questions uh, means both from the strategy and both from the technical uh, operator, but also people that think wider about uh, the issues of war to think back and to step back and go a little deeper on what it means to be a soldier and what means war in connected space. And for this, sometimes science fiction is one of the best source of inspiration that you can find. Yes, thank you. So yeah, uh, we didn't actually start uh, defining the soldier in that sense that is it really in the future like a human person or is it a machine? And then uh, if it is a machine that, okay, uh, there can be also like if you state that uh, uh, the operator is a uh, thousand kilometers away in uh, totally in different legal grounds as well. So there is so, so many legal issues as well that uh, can be can be raised. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, but uh, interesting discussion. Uh, but now, when looking a little bit also ahead and what is happening uh, maybe uh, in Ukraine, so Kaspars, uh, uh, maybe you can elaborate a little bit, like uh, if you see that, uh, is it, uh, what is actually more valuable for this connected soldier there? Is it more like a traditional uh, mobile network with, uh, with uh, towers and antennas, or is it uh, actually even uh, satellite, uh, like, uh, yeah, we see in Ukraine that this has been quite valuable. So what kind of deployments, uh, developments are needed here as well? Yeah, so <clears throat> from, my, from my personal experience and from the, the, the history, the communications on the battlefield and the military communications itself, the, uh, the general approach has always been the more different options you have, the better. Uh, and uh, that's actually what we see in Ukraine because uh, every soldier in Ukraine on both sides have uh, a smartphone, so we are talking about the smartphoneization, right? And I think the LMT has been one who has started to use this word. Um, but that's true. The, uh, most of the uh, battle management systems used in Ukraine at the moment from Ukrainian side, for example, Delta, Krapiva, etc., they are operated on the Android, Android tablet or Android phone, whatever. Uh, when, is it, when it is possible from the uh, operational security point, when it is possible from the electronical warfare environment in specific, specific location or specific conditions, I think that we use 
more we see more and more use of the commercial technologies because the uh, data throughput is uh, uncomparably higher than the conventional software defined radio IP network can manage. Uh, when the operational conditions are different, when there are different threats, when the electronical warfare assets from the opponent's side are in, in place, of course you go to more restricted communication means uh, and you end with the, with the radio silence, communication silence, whatever. Um, and uh, what I have heard from, uh, from uh, our uh, Ukrainian friends that uh, the, uh, the field telephone, uh, the physical telephone lines are being widely used in Ukraine at the moment. So that's the World War I technology, right? So I think there is no one correct answer. And that's actually um, our view on, uh, and our approach on the 5G technology. I think the, the wrongest thing we all can do about the 5G is to think that it will be the miracle which changes everything. That's wrong because uh, 5G has a lot of challenges ahead to become, uh, let's say, um, operationally and tactically fit. It's deployability, security, mobility, etc. Uh, when these challenges will be faced, 5G is fantastic technology for all the things we discussed here, the huge data amount, uh, transmission, data fusion, etc. Um, so my short answer is that there is no one correct solution and the more options you have the better more is better yeah uh, which brings me uh, to another question actually is that um, uh, they from ukraine we also know that okay they will turn on the smartphones uh, maybe communicate uh, shortly uh, with with peers uh, with family and then they will shut it down of course so what additional uh, or what kind of threats in general we could actually also see from this connected shoulder? So, Kave, can you? Yes. So, uh, something that is uh, that has been at the core of uh, the soldier education has been uh, adaptability and taking into account that, especially uh, in a battlefield, nothing is determined and nothing. Uh, so, uh, uh, something that is quite important is that there is no solution that will work in any context and we need to to adapt the risk to benefit ratio and this is something that soldiers have to do all the time get to the threats uh, the threats are uh, in fact uh, uh, several dimension uh, one thread is the fact that everything that enabled the adversary the red team to detect you is a major information for the red team, so uh, for the attacker. And there are thousands of source that the attacker can detect us and without us understanding it. So for example, the temperature of the body and uh, you know, uh, this infrared uh, thing is a way that has been used a lot. For example, the X-ray that you were just discussing is that even if you're hitting Behind the wall, you might be seen. You don't need an even uh, X-ray. Wi-Fi signal is enough to detect who is behind the wall and uh, figuring out also his uh, heartbeat in order to figure out if it is a soldier or if it is somebody else. So 
One element is that the fact that you are surrounded by this electronic signal uh, world uh, make your detection easy. But there is another thread that is uh, more important, which is that if the data connection become a kind of umbilical connection between the mother and kid, if it is cut, both of them are lost. So there is also this tactical risk that is, if soldiers get used to get order from their command, and they lost the command, what is happening? There is one case that uh, have been reported in the context of the Ukrainian war that, uh, from what I heard from my military uh, friend, was the highest casualty to uh, uh, the size of, uh, uh, of an armed force has been this event that happened uh, sometime in, uh, in May last year where a full tank battalion, Russian battalion, get completely wiped out just because they have lost commander that was the radio of the commander that was getting order and nobody was daring retreating because they was not getting the order to retreat so the second element of risk is that more connectivity might make people less reactive the third element is that we are living in a world where the virtual world and the physical world are becoming two existing world that can become independent being a professor of cybersecurity, I try to define what is a cyber attack. A cyber attack, the widest definition that I can do is that it's something that makes a divergence between the state individual world that should be and what it is. So the fact that we are using more and more cyber way make easier for an attacker to introduce into the system and therefore generate a divergence between what you're supposed to see and what you're seeing, really. And uh, this is also another element of risk uh, that exists and that should be counted. But anyway, w war is also the strategies defined also as the art of deception. So this is just adding a new dimension of deception. Yeah. Very good comments. Uh, of course, uh, with with radio frequencies, we can play around in that sense that we will increase the frequency uh, much harder to, uh, for enemy to actually detect it and so on. But, uh, but yes, if, uh, I don't know, we uh, all the time use only like Google Maps and then it, one day it is not working and uh, we need to use the paper map, then we are in trouble, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Ilmars, maybe uh, some you mentioned already uh, this uh, medical holograms effect, uh, <laughs> but uh, maybe something something to add. Uh, any any threats? What you can see also from from your side? Or? Uh, of course, they are they are. As I say, they, I mentioned mentioned first of all that uh, uh, the the gadgets soldier is carrying should not distract him, but enhance him. So that's very important. So. These needs to be very well de very developed, very very human centric. So they are really helping me rather than getting more problems. So I think I think uh, amount of information you, you you kind of pull or or you drop on him also needs to be very very precisely uh, I think sorted. What is is exactly uh, amount of information and way how to present how to not distract him but not to confuse but really enhance his abilities to react on the situation needed. 
I think here what you mentioned is uh, about the cyber uh, cyber impacts or, or cyber attacks or uh, the same thing basically. You have to create uh, you have to create methods information that first of all by by itself can be seen as not reliable or is reliable. You you have those algorithms. I think at least in data transmission you have these codes that say okay there is mistake somewhere. Drop this out and and you can also create these algorithms also in a graphical and also in 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 this information because that comes as a tr like geospatial or whatever so me meaning meaning uh, this is not simple task but you have i think here to connect soldier there is a lot of work really to develop uh, to develop information methods that uh, soldier can see this is as can distinguish between reliable and not reliable information here. I think that's that's the very very essence here, and and not not by kind of analyzing something, just just by intuition that this is wrong color, is this coming from wrong angle, and this can can't be true. Uh, so so that kind of you need intuitive and quick reaction on a situation. So situation awareness needs to enhance. So that's my my, my main message rather than distract. Yeah. Uh, very good. So uh, we are almost uh, using our time. So maybe some some last uh, last questions. So, Kaspar, uh, uh, as you are a military guy or ex-military guy, still I think once you are military, you always will be military. Exactly. Uh, so do you think that all the uh, kind of like a traditional ways to also like command uh, soldier and so on will actually need to be changed uh, once the, the, the all the soldiers will be connected let's 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 assume at least that every soldier will be connected and uh, they have like two ways communication means uh, available so how to kind of orchestrate all this yeah it is it is a great challenge and talking about the change actually change is already ongoing west has changed ukraine's army has changed as well and we can see how the command control has been conducted in ukraine army and how it is done in russian army and that's huge difference and we see the results uh talking about the uh, the vision that uh, every soldier will be connected uh i think we will get there and the the paradigm shift which we already discussed is in a mean that uh, some let's say again about the history some years ago second world war the battalion was the uh, lowest uh, operational unit everybody discussed nobody talked about you know company that's nothing today we are talking about the value of a single soldier on the battlefield and that's the paradigm shift that something has to be trained and the the same with the with the technologies and uh, that is the reason why i think nato has uh, has made a good lesson about not paying too much attention to the 4g technology for example and because the level of attention paid to the 5g is uh, actually very high we see a lot of initiatives a lot of projects about the 5g and the main reason of it and outcome of it is to understand uh, first opportunities given by the technology but second which is most important is the threats technology actually possesses to us 
and that has to be trained and uh, that is the reason why soldier nowadays is a, is a uh, is a profession you have to train you have to invest in every single individual soldier and then we can discuss about you know conscription service uh, can you do that within one year or six months or not that's a bit different discussion yeah, thanks and yeah so uh what I have heard as well uh, from uh, from military guys that uh, basically S5G is kind of like a first technology what they're even like considering uh, to implement uh, because uh, all the flexibility what is giving uh, uh, cyber security means uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, so, uh, but I know Kawe, do you have also like uh, when do you think that uh, most of the soldiers will be connected? So, uh, first of all, I would like to uh, uh, give uh, a historical uh, perspective. Uh, the first cyber attack that has been recorded in history goes back to the, uh, the civil war in US, where the South Force cut telegraphic cables in order to disconnect uh, the North Force that were advancing in the South from Washington and get, getting orders. It's quite interesting that the second uh, uh, cyber attack that has happened in history happened three months after in the steppes of Siberia, where the Tatars did the same to the army of the Tsar and cut the, uh, the cables uh, at that place. Meaning that uh, cybersecurity is a major component in this discussion. And cybersecurity is, first of all, a new battlefield because it opened new way for uh, uh, action, a new way not only uh, for uh, tactical but also for strategic because all of this uh, uh, fake news or uh, 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 or uh, information diffusion is also at the strategic level that is happening, but also uh, from uh, the tactical dimension. Now, something that is quite, uh, that make 5G quite interesting is that for a long time, uh, military used to have their dedicated communication system. And it was a huge amount of money and a huge uh, deficit generated by uh, the armies. and. Sometimes the system that you had been building at the time of peace for working in the time of war in the battlefield was not working. Uh, meaning that uh, the interest of the military to uh, civil systems is not only because there is uh, an opportunity, but this is also something deeper. Because we are having right now civil system that are getting at the grade level of cybersecurity and the grade level of flexibility in operation that might warrant their use also on the battlefield. Meaning that if we have, if the military are considering 5G and not 4G, it's also coming from the fact that 4G was finally an operator thing. While 5G you can make, you can deploy very fast in the order of hours proprietary 5G uh, battlefield uh, network that are uh, military-grade uh, security at least. But still, still, we should never forget that 
all of this will end up, now we are speaking about war. War is the extreme uh, uh, use that can a government and a society do. And we should not figure, think that because it is becoming digital, it is going to be less bloody and less horrible than it is. So uh, uh, at the end of the day, I want to come back to the importance of the soldier, the human that is putting his life on the stake and being on the battlefield and the importance of educating him, of making him professional and of the importance of making him his duty and his mission clear and based on some ethical thing. And if we are talking about the Ukraine versus Russian war, this is a very important element that history will analyze in the context of, uh, uh, of looking at uh, uh, how a war has evolved. Yeah, thank you. And maybe we have used our time, but uh, Ilmars, do you have any final thoughts as well that uh, mm. we get connected soldiers? <laughs> I think I said everything already. I, of course, can talk more, more, in, more narrowly in, in areas, but I, as I say, I, I could state again that the systems that we uh, make for soldiers need to enhance his abilities not to hurt him in, in with some kind of technological flaws. Thank you, thank you. So uh, I think we have used our time. So if there is any any questions uh, from the audience or from uh, from the yes, virtual world, yes, there are. And uh, actually, it's about uh, the future and uh, a bit of sci-fi, I guess. <laughs> what are the perspectives of smart bio micro technology integration into soldier of future? Possible development directions, challenges. So basically, chipping the soldiers. So we were having another panel just before <laughs> that one, and uh, I was uh, uh, there, and we were discussing about uh, 5G and uh, uh, AI and related things. And actually, there are different narratives for AI, and one of the narrative is that humans are, by definition, have some weakness. They cannot see very far. They are not able to run very fast, they are not feeling, they are not uh, smelling odors uh, very well. So uh, through AI, we can make the soldier better by adding some element uh, into uh, the soldier and some uh, biometric, bio uh, systems or uh, making a kind of augmented soldier. Uh, the question that it arises, uh, there is an operational question, is it possible to do it and is it, uh, do we have the tools to do it or not? But it raises another type of question, is that what are we losing of our humanity by going to that? And I'm not going to give the example of the soldier because it's very difficult, but let's suppose that tomorrow uh, we have a tool that is able to predict uh, the fact that uh, somebody that is going to jail is going to do a recidive, meaning that he's going to do something bad when he's getting out of jail. And we have a kind of AI system that can predict this. Should we use it or not? If the prediction is without any fault, yes, we should use it. 
But if there is the possibility of a single mistake, we should not use it because this is the nature of justice to be unprecise and with failure. And this is the, just, it is the nature of humanity to not be predicted beforehand what you are going to do in the future. So I have a kind of very uh, in-between opinion in adding something to the biology of the human or changing it. But anyway, who knows what is going to happen? Yes, I think that uh, that's the science fiction, of course. <laughs> but uh, if we're talking about the monitoring of soldier, that's something uh, very important. And uh, at some certain level, on uh, let's say some s certain specific uh, types of warfare, like special forces, I think at some level, by the use of uh, different uh, sensors, uh, I guess not chips yet. Uh, it's very important to, to, to monitor the, the health of the soldier because we are getting, again, back to the example of, uh, of the war in Ukraine. The, I think more uh, Russian soldiers, uh, poor Russian guys, dropped in to the battlefield without the equipment, uh, I know, weapons, uh, uh, training, etc., are dying from hypothermia today than for, from the uh, Ukrainian bullets. So the, the monitoring of the soldier's health and parameters as a temperature, pressure, etc., is important for the uh, on-the-site casualty analysis, etc. So I think that definitely is something which will come. It will come. It will come, yeah. yeah. Last year at TechShield we were experimenting with the injecting uh, sensors for the basic, uh, basic temperature measurements. So future is now. So, we have time for one more question. Um, microphone, we need microphone. Thank you. Uh, gentlemen, uh, no war has ever been won without a soldier stepping his boot to the ground. How you could elaborate on the way that the battles happen thousand kilometers away, but still we need that, that last mile of the connected soldier. So, your take on that, how you would describe it? This is what I just said, you know. At the end of the day, all these technical tools, nothing will replace this element. And there is something even further than that. You know, you can wonder, because I'm working on cybersecurity and trying to understand cyber war. There is a kind of fundamental question that exists. Is the essence of conflictuality in cyber war different from the essence of conflictuality in normal war? And if we get into the fact that the essence is the same, at the end of the day, as you say, it's a question of practicality. Now, past war that we had in the past 20 years taught a lot of things, especially also to NATO countries. For example, the Iraq wars shows that even if you might think that you don't need to have people that are speaking all language, but if you want to invade a country and you have no translator, it's not going to work. Now, very simple questions like that and you see, for example, that the British 
had one translator per 20, per 20 soldier. The American had one translator per 500 soldier. And the outcome of this was seen on the ground. So it goes back to human element. And as you say, finally, there will, you need somebody to put your flag on the place and said that this is my territory. Yeah, I could uh, agree that uh, this is needed and uh, hopefully connected soldier has this translator somewhere. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> hopefully it works and it's not <laughs> ambiguous. So, thank you panelists. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. We also had... Um, <laughs> we had that poll where we ask question, uh, uh, what do you think about smartphoneization and merging of military and uh, civil networks? And 69% were like, eh, okay, it's good enough, but 31 was, no, it's not for them. So, all right. Got to know, got to know. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>